Welcome to the Young Adult in Ministry Podcast, the Yamcast, where we talk about everything the church needs to know and some things you don't need to know about failing forward in young adult ministry. We are starting these monthly podcasts with a discussion about the book, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry, and anything else we feel like. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm from Boise, Idaho. My name is Jeremy, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm I'm Chris from Cincinnati, Ohio. And here we go. For those of you uh, following Uh, along on Facebook Live um, or on podcast, I'm I'm holding up Sustainable Young Adult Ministry, (laughs) Making It Work, Making It Last, uh, by Mark DeVries and Scott Pontier, which... um, Quick context, we, we, the three of us decided to read this book together as we're involved in different um, ways in young adult ministry across the United States. <laughs> and out of Horrible reading decision. that, decided to have Horrible these conversations, decision. which, as we mentioned earlier, um, I think we recorded uh, the beginning of February um, was when we started um, recording stuff, having these calls. Um, and from the beginning yeah, of right. February to now here, um, as we're recording this beginning of April, everything's... Yeah, everything has been my, turned my, upside my down. Corona. But we uh, want to continue to um, talk about this book. And I, Chris, I appreciate you pointing out. I know we had a conversation offline um, over the last few weeks of trying to dis- discern um, how we continue uh, these conversations, and hopefully, um, as we learn together, be able to share it in ways to uh, bring others into the conversation and to to uh, to share what we're learning with others that are involved in ministry and young adult ministry as well. And so. Um, Chris saying, yeah, this book was written in a different you know, time and we had started the conversation in what seemed like a different world, but that it still really um, uh, relates. Um, and that conversation about how it relates, I think is really important. Um, and how we do young adult ministry in a sustainable way in a changing world, that, that applies. Um, and I'm uh, I, I'm excited to talk about some of the chapters we had talked about um, discussing on this episode um, because of the change world that we find ourselves in. So that's uh, me making that pivot um, to um, our conversation. So the first episode we did, we covered the introduction and in, in chapter one, and we just invite people to get the book and read along with us. Uh, I'm going to jump in here on chapter two because we're looking at chapters two through four, potentially. We'll see where we get. Sounds good. Jeremy, give us a five-minute warning. Okay, bro? Um, I love the title of chapter two, Mistake. Let me tell you about my mistake that I made was when Jeremy and I were live streaming last week, and I said that this book is probably not relevant for today, and which Chris privately messaged me later and said, you know, I really disagree with you on that in Chris's loving way. And I agreed with Chris disagreeing with me because um, I think he's right. And as I've gone back and I've looked over the chapters and I've looked at my just highlights from the chapters, I'm like, this is just as relevant. It, it totally plays today. And I don't know how you guys want to progress forward in the conversation of maybe you know, what stood out to you from the chapter. Um, chapter 2 kind of begins the series of chapters on six mistakes we often make in the church and trying to initiate and lead young adult ministries. So who wants to take it away? Well, I would, I would also say that I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion. I mean, if any book is worth studying, it's worth studying probably regardless of contemporary, you know, events. 
Um, otherwise, many of these books I have here around me, you know, once they were written, I should just throw them away if they were only good for a particular context. So, and I think this is a particularly good time for people to read books. Um, Actual books. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. so anyway, yeah, I do feel like this book has what I call transferable concepts. And it's not just specific points that were only true for... Uh, you know, even I think there's a lot of things here you could apply outside of young adult ministry. But these mistakes that um, that they're identifying as the six common mistakes of which I, I made all and more um, as I was failing forward in young adult ministry. You know, and thank you for doing uh, that, Chris. A few years back, but um, and to me, this first mistake, I mean, this is something that even as we've talked about coronavirus stuff, like even our this little podcast and this conversation, um, if we've all just read books about young adults and millennials and Gen Z, and that's all we bring to this conversation, um, it might not be worth just tuning in. Theory. Um, but to the extent that we each have relationships with young adults, uh, in fact, Jeremy might still be a young adult. For a few more weeks. <laughs> So I'm like two of them. So we have yeah. we have a relationship with a young adult. Right Token millennial right here. Yeah, we do. Here, which is our only relationship. Whichever box yeah. he's in on my <laughs> Token millennial. Um, yeah, but anyway, so mute, mute your microphone, Jeremy. No, I'm just kidding. So so this is definitely one that, and as I was saying before, like the slap in the face of the coronavirus situation. Uh, it's really helped me identify where my relationship status was with certain college students that I was engaged with. The ones that have easily kind of let go, so to speak, of our weekly conversations or whatever. I just know I was not, I didn't have enough time with that young adult or I wasn't invested enough in them. So I think this idea of spending time with young adults, even after lunch today, I asked my girls, my oldest is 20 and my middle uh, daughter is 17. Um, so ask them a few questions like, Hey, you know, how's your generation? How's your people responding to this? You know, just did a little research poll, you know, with them. Now they don't count. They don't, they're not the only ones that count in terms of my, my young adult oh, okay. exposure. Um, cause that's too easy. But, um, but anyway, I do think spending time with young adults, you know, especially the older I get in ministry, if, if I just think I've learned something or I've read a book, um, I think that's just a that's a recipe for mistakery. Um, and did you think that, that. The, that the mistake number one is is just learning about young adults? It's like learning things about young adults, and so you think you know about young adults because you've learned things about young. Yeah, adults. because you read David Kinnaman's latest book. Or and I, th- I think I mentioned this um, yeah. in a previous conversation. I uh, heard somewhere like if all it took was listening to podcasts and reading books, we'd all be billionaires with six packs um, that is actually putting the stuff to practice. Um, and the unique challenge we have now is how do we put some of this stuff to practice or continue it in a very different paradigm than we found ourselves in three months ago? Well, I think it's giving us the opportunity with the themes of, of things that are closing and opening. We're actually able to build a, like a communication infrastructure that will, that will be more robust and, 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 and tried and true that will support um, being in proximity, being in presence together, being in the coffee shop, being in, 
the worship space, being like knowing how to communicate those things and how people are receiving it, responding to it to get us in person together. Um, I think, I think we had the in-person and realized we started needing to communicate to do the communication. Now's the time we can, we can like build up our communication so that we can be ready to be in person together. People are going to be, hopefully, I think I am, others are super hungry for it. Um, something about this chapter, I, I love the beginning line and the theme that runs through about a TED talk by millennial that said, hi, my name is so-and-so. Um, I'm a millennial and I'm a monster. And I, I think it is, Chris, this was definitely one of the things I look back through. And I'm like, oh, I was so wrong. This applies to today. What they talk about in this chapter is being in uncharted territory that no one knows how to navigate. And when typo- typographers would used to make these maps and they didn't know what was out beyond the boundary of the map, they would draw uh, a sea monster. Well, our sea monster is Corona, okay? We are way out from shore. And I told my wife this week, it feels like we're all in our own little lifeboat dinghies. And we can see the other people that are floating nearby. And there's just this big armada of these dinghies and small ships, and some are bigger. And we're out on this ocean. What'd you call me? <laughs> we have told... Yeah, you, you heard me. We've totally lost sight of the shore. And we don't know if we're going to see the shore we came from or if we're going to end up on a brand new shore and how to even do life there. And we're really, really afraid there's monsters in the water. If we get in, Hmm. I feel that way. I read that again this morning and I just resonated with that, but there's an excitement in that for me. Not that this is happening. I'm not a God wills it person. I think God can redeem this stuff. Not that he made it happen so that, so that we had to go through it. Mm. <laughs> but that I can choose to be shaped during this time in community with my wife and my family and my kids and young adults and everybody at my church and everybody else I'm in community with youth ministry. Um, aware that there are monsters, but not being afraid of uncharted territory, but figuring out how to, and how to navigate in it and learn from other people that are navigating in it as well. I think we need to also be careful as we're, I don't know, trying to chart uncharted territory that we, I guess, maintain a humility, a sense of, I feel like it's, it's dangerous to get to know one millennial or one Gen Z, one young adult, one college student, and then feel like you know them all. And I think one of the points of this chapter is building relationships with um, individuals and hearing stories and then um, and just keep to keep doing that. I also feel like one of the points here is is I often come back to this Peterson quote, which I guess he stole from Nietzsche, Nietzsche um, long obedience in the same direction. Um, mm. is it minis- and again, yeah. this is ministry in general, long obedience in the same direction, not thinking that, you know, this book or this program or this gathering or this whatever is gonna you know solve this issue so those are probably my my takeaways from this one of the one of the questions i'm asking myself is the the slow the slow down here will it be my adversary or my ally because what i heard you just talk about was 
the long, slow work of relationship and the deep friendships that we have, they might've started in a, in, on a whim and in an instant, but they've, you know, I can, there's people popping to mind right now for me and they're 20, 25 year on friendships that have weathered time. We can pick up where we left off, but relationship, genuine, true relationship is slow. And I need to embrace this slowdown. Yeah. I like uh, somebody the other day was talking about how um, it might have been on NPR, some kind of program was talking about seeing this as a sabbatical, as a bit of a forced sabbatical for people who have that mm. luxury anyway. A lot of people are scrambling to survive and they're not going to have the luxury of, oh, this is a nice, yeah, true. restful time for me. Um, but I feel some guilt over that, I got to tell you. Yeah. For many of us, I think there are ways to turn this into a sabbatical, reflective, kind of you know, Richard Rohr contemplation action type of um, talk. I think there's some good ways like that to look at it. Uh, and I, I think so too. I would hope that there will be people telling stories about like, oh, well, after the COVID nineteen thing of twenty twenty, or you know, it was you know, people. Just, I'm a Corona baby. Yeah, people telling their story, their spiritual journey, like marking this as a bit of a there was some kind of mile marker at least. Yeah, you know, so along the way. One of the things. Um, that that reminds me of, there's a, a book that my church, the church uh, leadership at my church here in Nashville is um, reading through. It's called uh, Joining God, Remaking Church and uh, Changing the World. Um, it's just a small little like hundred page uh, booklet, but it has a quote in there from City of God um, and St. Augustine. that says, God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are always too full to receive them. Again, not making light of all the pain, uh, mm. the job loss, sickness, and death. But for a lot of us, we are being forced, like our hands, uh, the stuff in, that we're trying to hold has been forced out of us. Um, and so what do we do with that? Do we, do we try to go back to what was um, at the end of this and prepare to just pick everything back up? Or do we, pick, do we just keep less and maybe those less things being the things that God would actually desire for? So it being deeper relationships... Um, being um, a more consistent uh, walk with with God. I we're not talking about this book, but like I I just started reading this, and it was one of those where it was written a couple of years ago. Um, and in the very beginning of it, it says we are confronted by a historic break, and such breaks call for the cultivation of a fundamentally different imagination. And this has huge implications for the rhythms of life and worship for Christian communities. I was just like. I'm really glad that I'm, I'm reading this book and uh, the one that we're talking about, but just what do we need? What do we need to, what is being taken out of our hands? What do we need to be given up? Um, and at the same time, okay, so then what are we reimagining? And I'll tie that in with um, uh, one of these first chapters talking about, um, uh, I think it was mistake number two, talking about changing the worship style, which is interesting. If we'd recorded this a couple months ago, we had been talking about uh, in-person worship services, um, which is a mute point um, at this point um, in yeah. our uh, life as churches. Um, but how are we reimagining um, church when we're doing a lot of the worship gathering online? Um, and the thing that I'm really excited about is to see um, how do we do that and then how does it change what we do, our habits? Do we just pick everything back up after all this is over? Or do we have different habits um, 
moving forward. I know for our church today, for the for the sermon, uh, tried something different where it literally paused three times in the sermon and said, "Hey, here's a question. Uh, you can mention it, and you can talk about it in the Facebook chat, or talk about it with the people that your 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 family, mm, uh, wherever you are right now, if you're around people, um, talk about them with that. Just realizing that like live streaming what we've always done, a bunch of worship, a bunch of things that like, if you're not in the room, like maybe this is just me, but like if I'm ever previous to this, like if you're listening, like I don't, I don't sing with my laptop. Um, and so I know it's something where we still have worship songs, but it's like, how do we get more participatory um, and, and pivoting in that way? And I don't know if that'll, what that will be in the long term, but um, it, it, it is also something that's talked about in this book is that one of the important things when you're thinking about worship style is that you need to be who you truly are. You need to be consistent with your DNA. Um, and so, um, tr- you know, the music we're doing is the music that we've always done. Um, less people, we don't have an orchestra and stuff, but, um, we're, we're trying to be consistent to our DNA and that applies beyond what we're doing now. Um, that understanding who your, what your DNA is as a church, when it comes to worship style, um, when it comes to the kind of ministry that you do and being authentically that, which I think is one of the important points of the book overall is like, don't be who you're not. Um, not that you don't critically look at everything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, one of the things they point out in the book consistently is that the one, the church, you know, the, the big, uh, church that's in the city that's bringing all the young people in, they've done that since day one. And that's consistent with their DNA. Um, so how do we be consistent to our DNA and still reach every generation and specific to our conversation, uh, young adults? So one of the quotes I highlighted in, in that chapter, Jeremy, is what millennials really want from the church is not a change in style, but a change in substance. I know it's always risky to speak for all millennials everywhere. Um, I'm just quoting someone that did. It wasn't me. But I think churches, we have a real opportunity right now to not just migrate attractional yeah. church to the internet, um, but to focus in on contextualized substance. And I probably told you about um, Justin that's helping us out with the podcast with producing and everything, but their, their church in Seattle, uh, they've never streamed because they believed the just proximity is important in being together. And so in this Corona environment, they aren't streaming either, but they've created a digital liturgy that they do stream and ask people gathered together to follow through and participate together as the body of Christ collectively. And of all the churches that we know and are connected to, they could put on an out of this world, minimalist worship set. They could rock it all day, but knowing their people and reading the climate in the room and the power and and importance of proximity together, they didn't, they're, they're focusing on the sub on substance, not on style. And I got just mad respect and, and admiration for that. The, the, just the, the, the willingness and leadership to pivot one of my new favorite words and here you saying it too. So I feel cool. Um, but the pivot is so important right now and not just continually pivoting, but potentially we're going this direct. We were going, it's almost a repentance. We were going this direction and now we're going this direction with this, but it's substance, not yeah. style. Right? I know 
Um, yeah, like how do it, how do we be consistent with who we are? And that's how that church do. I know we're our church. We do communion, Lord's Supper every single week, but we're not right now. Um, I know it's mm. been a lot. It's there's been a lot of de- debate online, and I'm sure offline as well in churches of of what do we do? do we do communion and how do we do it? And there's a lot of really creative ways of doing it. And we're just not. We're saying that we're when we come together. Um, Man, it, I, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll do communion then when we all get together together as the body of Christ to receive the body of Christ. Um, and in the meantime, taking that time to then instead um, receive a blessing. And so we've actually, for most weeks, invited people as they're watching online um, to do what you would see like in a Catholic church when you don't receive communion um, and cross your arms in a certain way and receive a blessing. Um, and I am yearning for the day when we have like, um, not just because we have some of the best, um, wow. fresh made bread, um, that we use for it, but like, like, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be beautiful. And that's not the way that everyone should do it. Uh, but that's consistent with, with who we are in our DNA that like, that's an important, uh, piece of who we are. So with this chapter talking about, you know, changing the worship service, um, why do you think that's such a first like inclination for a church or for a young adult pastor, a youth pastor who's supposed to do young adult ministry for somebody? Why is it that everybody wants to do that? Oh, let's create a separate worship space for young adults. That's two questions there. Separate worship space and separate separate okay. styles. Not space. I don't mean to focus on the space. I mean let's let's create a specific worship gathering for young adults if we're gonna be young adults. The first thing that comes to mind for me, and I'm a verbal processor, so yeah. I'll I'll tell you if I agree with this as I say it out loud, um, is that it's how we define church. And the definition of church has been the gathering with music and a really well curated sermon. Um, and so if we, if we define that as being, I mean, not that that's not, I'm not saying that that's not important. Um, uh, but we are in a time realizing that bringing people all together with music and with, with a, a really well-researched sermon, um, like we can't, we can't do that. Um, and I don't think it's ever been enough. Um, but, um, Chris, you, I know you shared it a few different places. It was, it gave me good verbiage that I've used even in our pastoral team conversations that we need to be focused, uh, more on, um, building community than pushing out content. Again, not saying that content's not important. Um, but today, especially there's tons. Um, and so what can we do uniquely? And I think that's, um, when we just think about it in terms of content, we're like, okay, what content do we need to share in a service? that connects with the youths. And that's how like we've moved in that. And not that any of those things are, are negative, but I know I'll speak for me. Like I, I, I love and appreciate a lot of different styles um, of worship, but for me, the most meaningful, um, the most meaningful expressions of church have not been very often have been more often and not in Bible studies in small groups, um, in a uh, socially distanced walk that we took with some of our neighbors. Um, and like, we're able to talk with them on a walking path, uh, over the last couple of weeks, um, to be able to check in with them. Like it's, it's the, it's the community, it's the relationships. 
That's what I was going to say was there seems to be a tension between content and community. And, and we think if we get the right content that people are going to show up and want to listen to it. But, but my, my default and also my pet peeve in that is, is the, the, just this attractional model where we're pretending that the church is still somehow the center of community instead of the sent body um, to go and live it out. And so we think that if we build it, then they will come fill the dreams. And, and so, you know, like uh, one of my favorite books, 2003 shaping of things to come, you know, no one cares if you change the mission statement and rearrange the furniture inside the building. No one knows. No one cares. No one knows. How are you living out being the body every, every place else? And I think that young, I, I, my experience with young adults has been, um, content is important. Community is, is most important. Um, and, and when the, the, when the content points to the equipping of and facilitating of solid community, both as, both as the gathered church and the scattered church, that might be a secret sauce. I think, and so to answer your question in short, my very first response, Chris, was um, changing worship style is a low-hanging fruit because we can control that. Hmm. And we can measure it and we can quantify it. So when and what what's what's being desired is qualitative relationship and community. So at my church several years ago when I was I was trying to bridge the campus ministry stuff I do with local church thing. And so they basically designated me young adult pastor for a couple of years at, at Spring Hill. Large church, Cincinnati, 12, 1300, whatever. Potentially, probably 100 young adults are at our church on any given Sunday. 50 to 100, something like that. Um, wow. We created a Sunday night, you know, whatever. So we did this. So this is one of the mistakes I made. I feel like we did this. We created a separate Sunday night worship gathering specifically for young adults. And, and again, this was me doing something because as a former youth pastor, pretty much our go-to toolbox in the church is kind of program-based, you know, let's design something that's a program that, you know, whatever, let's read a book about young adult ministry and pretend like we know what we're doing. Um, so I, I made all those mistakes. We started off strong. We had 120 young adults, first thing gathering and then 90 and then 70 and then 50 and then 30 and then you know it just kept dwindling dwindling over six months time and i think it was really because again it was me trying to be like this gen x pastor guy who knows what to do given the answers are saying you know hey let's do this instead of doing that long term let me just build relationships with young adults in the church learn their context learn their lives and then figure out what what is needed here. And I think it also that kind of model. I think one of the big reasons it's it's a wrong way to go is it fails to integrate young adults into the DNA of the church and the leadership of the church. So it's just it's another siloing kind of um, thing that happens. And some churches do it well. I'm not saying you know it can't work. There are some churches that do kind of separate young adult ministry things well. Um, but the point I think they're trying to make in this book here is that if you're trying to build a young adult ministry, that's not necessarily 
one of your first steps. That's not necessarily the right way to go. So I think we need to explore that one deeper, but we need to do it next time. You've been in and out of mistake number three in chapter four. Expect the youth director to do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's 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 pick it up there next time because Jer's got a role, and and we're on his Zoom account. But we got to get back out there, guys. We gotta we gotta go back in our world and be the church. Okay. So if you need any of these, I got plenty of them. I got Spartans. I got youth youth and mission relics. Um, I got freebies from NYC. If you need Just spears, equip yourself to be the church. Go to, go. Spears. If you need coffee, coffee.com. If you need coffee, I'm your man. Coffee's there. Spears here. <laughs> and if you're trying, Jeremy? if you're in any way engaged in young adult ministry, definitely uh, hang out with us on Facebook, the Nazarene College and Young Adult Ministry yeah. Network. And, and specific, specific to this, we like, have the like, Young Adult like, Ministry like, 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 podcast like, like, like. Instagram account that we're getting off the grounds. The Yamcast. Failing forward. Failing forward with the Yamcast trio. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Peace out. All right. See you, bros. And be safe out there. Christ be with you. Amen. And also with you. <laughs> oh, thank you.